You are listening to Curious Cat, the podcast that examines the shadowy space where science and the supernatural collide. And I'm your host, Jennifer Holtz. Join me every week as I explore what it means to be a soul in a meat suit. Welcome to Curious Cat. Today, I have a very special guest, my oldest, dearest friend. I mean, we've known each other forever, and our lives have been linked forever. And we, even when we kind of uh, go our separate ways to like, you know, raise kids and do all that stuff, we always find each other. And it's always been, she's always been a foundation of my life. But we've had some fun, spooky, ooky journeys, including Red Rocks. We did Red Rocks Amphitheater, which will be the episode prior to this one. So you're going to get all the ghosty fun about that. And she's here though today to talk about and share a journey she's been on that only the universe could put into place. And it's like 20 years in the making. So here to tell us the story is my dear friend, Deb Sunblad, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Ah, uh, uh, thanks for being here. Oh my goodness. And it all worked out so great. Try not to give anything away because it's such an incredible story. I didn't want to take away any of your thunder because this is incredible. So you have been on quite the journey lately and tell us all about it. Start at the beginning. I don't even know where to start exactly because when I when I have been thinking about about it. it. It all really started kind of this fall. But now that I've been reflecting on it more, I'm realizing it actually kind of started last fall um, with sort of delving into my family's history a little bit. Like I had had gone um, on the Hanford B reactor tour over in, uh, you know, eastern Washington, where we're from. And my grandpa had worked there. Um, on my dad's side. And it's, and it was great to go on that tour, super interesting, but it sort of sparked some sort of interest in family history that I've always sort of had and always, has always sort of been there, but just, you know, more questions that I sort of wish that I knew about my family. And then I guess last spring it was, I started doing some sort of genealogy research when I was at home visiting my parents and and my mom has done a lot of work on her side. And then my aunt had done a lot of work on my dad's side. And so my parents have been sort of the repository of all of this data. And I just sort of dove into it. And my mom and I sat and we were on our computers and she had done some stuff on Ancestry.com. And I opened an account and we're doing all this stuff and pulling out all the old pictures. And we just had like this great time doing that. And so I sort of, you know, was was getting kind of geared up to do that, really excited to kind of take that on. She's like, all right, this is all yours now. She gives me all this stuff. So it kind of started, I guess, then. And then it sort of had to take a back burner just because life and summertime and all this other stuff that got in the way. Um, and then it, where it really sort of picks up is last, last fall, October, my husband had to go to, he was going to go to, um, Atlanta for a work conference. And I'd gone to Atlanta once before with him. We had visited some friends that were living there and, and I had always wanted to visit Savannah, Georgia, 
which is like three hours from from Atlanta. And the last time we were there, we hadn't had the opportunity to do it. So this time around, he's like, well, why don't you come with me? And then on the week, you know, I'll finish my conference, then we'll go over to Savannah on the weekend. I'm like, okay, it sounds great. So we had this plan for October. So go to Atlanta, we drive out to Savannah. It's this really beautiful drive. Um, and I was really excited to get there, right? I just have always kind of felt this draw to go there. And part of it was, and you and I had kind of talked about this a little bit, I think it all kind of started, I read that book, which I think draws a lot of people to Savannah, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, which it was interesting because then in Savannah, they talk about like, oh yeah, so many people come here because they read that book. And I was definitely like one of those people because in the book, it just gives such a great description of the town. It just sounds so mysterious and spooky and, 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 and ghosty. And I'm like, and, and full, filled with old buildings. And I love all that kind of stuff. So I knew I was going to love it. We finally get to go and we're sort of walking, you know, we, we get there and get into the hotel and then we're just going to wander. Right. Cause we don't really have any agenda at all. We're just there. It's just the two of us and just do whatever for the whole weekend. So we start kind of wandering and we're wandering through all the squares and there's these beautiful trees and all these beautiful old buildings. And I'm just like freaking out, like taking all these pictures. I must have like a million pictures of all the houses there and all the trees and everything. And we're just kind of wandering and we come to, you know, there's all these historical markers everywhere that you go. And we come to this one square and it has this marker about General Sherman's March to the Sea. And General Sherman was a Union general. Um, the March to the Sea occurred from Atlanta to Savannah. It was a very pivotal sort of thing in the Civil War, um, where the tide kind of started to turn in favor of the North. Um, and so I knew kind of a little bit about it. And and something clicked in my head that I remembered, like, there's some family connection to this march. And I'm like, what the, what the heck is that? I can't, you know, I can't, it, there's something there. I'm, I'm like, okay, I need to ask my mom. And so right by that square also is this house where General Sherman spent, um, the Christmas, I think, of like 1864 and famously sent this telegram to, you know, Lincoln saying we've captured the city of Savannah, et cetera. So we're there and we're kind of looking at all this stuff. And so I send a picture to my mom of the marker and the things I'm like, hey, mom, like, isn't there some like family connection to, um, you know, to this march and to General Sherman? And so I'm kind of waiting to hear from her and we're still kind of, you know, walking around. And I decided to turn on my ghost app, which I do sometimes, you know, if you're in like kind of a place that, you know, is supposed to be spooky or haunted, it's fun just to turn it on and see kind of what, what comes up. So I turn it on and I just kind of have it sort of running in the background. So a few minutes later, I get a text from my mom and she says, yes, there's a family connection, you know, a, a, and, it, and it's all sort of nothing that had been like totally confirmed. My, my, my aunt had done all of this research back in the, I don't know, back in the late seventies, I think when you had to actually go and, you know, find the records and all this stuff. And so um, we didn't really have any records. Like family lore, but more than that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So my mom says, yes, you know, your great, great grandfather, William Henry was a drummer boy on that March. He was in the union army, very young, 14 years old, you know, on this March. And I, and so I, say to her, I texted back and I'm like, I'm like, that is just crazy. I feel like I'm, I'm literally walking in his footsteps right now. You know, I'm literally right by this house where General Sherman was. And 
I'm sure the drummer boy wasn't hanging out with the general, but you know, I'm in the city where he was. And, and so I'm just kind of marveling at that. Um, because I, I mean, I love history anyway, but then to have that sort of family connection and be in the place where this all happened was really interesting to me. And so then I, I, I look at the ghost app and the, I noticed that, and this was while I had been waiting for the text from my mom, I noticed that the first word that had shown up on the app was Amelia, the name Amelia. And so my husband and I were like, well, that's kind of weird. And, and the tie-in we thought and why it seemed weird is that we had had breakfast that morning with our friends um, and their daughter, their college daughter, who's named Amelia. So we're like, well, that's kind of weird that the first thing that would show up would be Amelia. Isn't that strange? You know, so then we kind of go and we're walking over to another, another square. And, um, and so then, you know, this is, and this is all happening in the span of like a half an hour, right? So this is all very compressed, like time frame. I happened to take my phone out of my purse just to check on whatever or take a picture of a tree or who knows. And, um, <laughs> and I look and the, and I, and I, back in the spring, I had downloaded the ancestry app on my phone and hadn't really used it since then. Cause I really hadn't been doing anything, but the ancestry app had opened itself in my purse which hadn't happened to me before. Like I know sometimes apps will open themselves, but this had not happened with this app. So, uh, so the ancestry app is open and in the ancestry app is a picture of my grandpa, who is the grandson of the drummer boy. Was he the one that worked at the Hanford B reactor? Yes. Alfred Henry, my grandfather, my dad's dad, who I knew, um, you know, he, I knew him until he passed in 1996 and the drummer boy was his grandfather. So it's the same, same lineage. And so the app has opened itself to remind me that because sometimes it will give you these little sort of reminders of family birthdays coming up or whatever. And his birthday was going to be seven days later. So I'm like, well, that's kind of interesting (laughs) that there would be, you know, this reminder for my grandpa's birthday, um, just as we're talking about his grandfather, great grandfather, I should say. Um, no, his grandfather. Sorry. I get, I get confused with all the greats and the great greats. I, I do get- too. Same. Yeah. So, uh, so anyhow, I'm like, well, that's, that's very strange. Maybe this is some reminder that I have this ancestry app and that I can, you know, do some research. Utilize on it. it. So, right. So I, I opened up the app and, the way that the app works, if folks haven't used it before, is, is you know, you, you build your tree. And my tree was already sort of built. But then as you work on different sections or different people, there will be like little hints that sort of pop up. And so I hadn't really worked on that section yet where William Henry, the drummer boy, was. Um, so I'm like, well, I'm just going to go into it. So I go in, I get into his profile. And sure enough, there's all these hints that are there of records. And right away, what pops up are his Civil War records. And so I can see that, yes, he was a drummer boy. He was in the 149th Infantry out of New York. And what's weirder is that I see his his enlistment paperwork, his muster roll, where he enlisted. And the name of the town where he enlisted is Pamelia, New York. P-A-M-E-L-I-A. I have goosebumps all over my shoulders, just like the first time you. It was so strange, and my husband and I just were like, "Huh, that's 
very, very strange, right? Amelia, Pamelia, it, it, yeah. So, um, so that's kind of what started the whole thing. Yeah. Because the, just if, if, for the people that are, don't know, the ghost app, like has a limited dictionary in it. So they can only pull from the words that are like preset in there. So imagine if you were like, I'm so excited. You're a relation. Your DNA and my DNA have like charged up each other and I've got to relay this information. And the only thing in that word bank would be Pamelia, uh, Amelia for Pamelia. It's bananas. And then also, Deb, somehow I miss the fact that your grandfather Alfred Henry was named after William Henry. Yes, it it was. There were a lot of, and that's why I get so confused with the all the the greats and the great race because there were a lot of Williams, and then there were two Alfred Henrys. So there's William Henry, who was the drummer boy, and then his son Alfred Henry Senior, and then his son Alfred Henry Junior, who was my grandfather. So a lot of Henrys, a lot of Alfreds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. And then I had another question about it before you keep going, but um, you said his birthday um, was your grandfather, Alfred Henry Jr. His birthday was going to be in like seven days or something. That must've been pretty close to your birthday. Cause was it and that toward the end of October or? It was. Yeah, it was towards the end of October. Um, and you know, something interesting that I just realized the other day as I was looking back at sort of timelines and notes and things it, that I want to look into more is this question of the significance of the month of October, because all of this Ooh, happened. Yeah. My grandpa's birthday was in October, seven days after this happened. His dad had passed away really tragically actually had been hit by a, like a bakery truck when he was a child um, in the month of October. And I looked back at drummer boy, his, his dates and, and he passed in October also. And all of this was happening in October. So that seems strange too, right? It sure as heck does. Oh, I have more goosebumps yeah. because it, you, there's something to it. And, and, you know, there's something else that you had shared with me when we were on a trip and it's like, it kind of even explains that because it felt menacing about the end of October felt very menacing. And this was like in September when we're vibing at Red Rocks that, um, you know, it had happened prior. I don't want to disclose any of that, but it was like, it had this ominous feeling, but it's like, I just I don't know. I'm having both my ears are ringing right now, but it feels like you did something to change what October will mean for your family forevermore. It's like you almost broke um, like an ancestral thing about October being something dark and negative, and it became a, a, a shift of curiosity and interest and, and validation for their lives. It, yeah. it changed it everything. Yeah. I mean, maybe so, because yes, I had had some dread going into the fall for some reasons, uh, some various reasons. And, and, and yeah, all of this really sort of set me on this path it, well into November also that sort of just presented these new, you know, this, this new, you know, this, this project and a task that I feel like I need to do. And yeah. so 
it's yeah, it's yeah. I have to say I'm I just started crying out of the blue because I think that you had to be in a place where you were vulnerable and you felt like your heart was, it was almost like you were vibrating at the same kind of, not gloom and doom, just worry, anxiety, something else in order to be in a place where it's like, it wasn't just your DNA and your legacy. It was all of that was the perfect like Petri dish for you and Scott to be in Savannah. And then it's like that connection was so strong that here's your ancestry.com thing popping off. And then yeah. your mom, you're waiting for your mom to text you. So I think that it's proof that everything is for a damn reason. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel that way too. And I now that I've had, I, you know, then all the stuff, uh, I mean, there's more that happened in November, as you know, but, um, but I, it just has taken me a while to process all of it. And, and I really do feel that I feel that it kind of set me on this path of in November, then sort of learning what my next um, step is going to be, what my next, you know, what the, what the mission is, so to speak, what the job is. Yeah. And it's just, it's, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I get like sort of, I, I've been revisiting it the last couple of days to get ready to talk with you because, you know, it was the holidays and everything. So I've kind of been away from it for a little bit, but getting back into it, it just, it does. It makes me really emotional and, and I'm really me grateful. Too. Just excited to see where it all goes. And, and I, I forgot too, that like, I realized this when you and I were on the phone in October after the Savannah trip is that, that I hadn't even realized or remembered that that book that set me on this quest to go to Savannah had been my grandpa's book. Oh my. And how did you come to have your grandpa's book? So after, yeah, after he passed and this was 96, I guess, and, you know, we're going through his things and, and, um, doing all of those things that you do. And, um, and he had this book and, I'm like, well, this looks like an interesting book. I think I'd like to have this and read it. And I did and loved it. And so you and I realized that on the phone, I was like, oh my gosh, I hadn't even remembered that yeah. that book yeah. was his book. It goes back. So it tells you the, and that's what, where we were both freaking out because it's like, that tells you the universe has the long game in mind and it feels so long, like 18 years, but it's been all of the puzzle pieces being set into place for you to be in that exact place at that exact moment with Scott. So tell us about what happened next. Your mom texted you, right? Yeah. So mom had said, yes, that, you know, he, yes, he was a drummer boy. And, and so then I, when I got home, back home to Seattle, I just went down this total rabbit hole for like two days. It was great. Like I just barely even, you know, Scott came home from work and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I've been sitting all day, like doing research. It was great. I found so much stuff about him, about his regiment, um, which did some amazing things. I mean, his regiment even was at Gettysburg. It was before he joined it. But uh, I, I found just tons of stuff, information on the, uh, you know, the New York um, military sort of history website is a great resource. They have information on, you know, down to muster roll lists and everything. And sure enough, he's on all of these, um, you know, these lists of, of men in the unit and everything. So yeah, I just had totally gone down this rabbit hole there, um, which led to a lot of great conversations too with my parents and with my dad. Um, 
just about things that we never had really talked about or questions I'd never thought before to ask. Um, so it was really great sort of in that way. And then the whole issue happened with, with the house. I don't know if you want to talk about that whole thing. I totally want to talk about the house, but we can't skip over because William Henry tell people about him volunteering for the war, like how, like how old he was. Tell me about, you know, all of that. Give us the scoop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I still have so many questions about it too. What we do know is that he enlisted when he, gosh, I was looking at the dates and, you know, birth dates are never totally exact when you go back that far, but it appears that he was not quite 14 or 14 when he enlisted, um, which just kind of blows your mind, right? Yeah, it totally does. Reading more. Um, about that phenomenon, which was really common in the Civil War of young boys enlisting. Um, and have it, so I've been diving into research about drummer boys and young young men serving just because I think maybe that will help to kind of, you know, help me go further in this this story. But um, but yeah, he enlisted and and his dad and and one of his brothers did as well, but a few months later. So then you think, well, why is the 14 year old going off and the, you know, and he enlisted in like a neighboring County. Um, he, he lied about his age, said he was 15. He really wasn't. And then in later records, it makes it seem as, as as if he's 18, which he wasn't. And I now have learned that at some point during the war, um, the U S government passed a law to, to outlaw these, you know, you can't enlist anyone who is a minor. So, uh, but of course it had already happened. All of these boys were already enlisted. So that would explain why some of his later records list him as being 18 when we know he wasn't. Yeah. So I just, I have so many questions like what, why, and what, what made him do that? And then after the war, curiously, he, I mean, he survived, his brother survived, his dad survived, all of them did, which is amazing. Um, none of them went back to the hometown where they were. They all sort of scattered. So there's so many questions that, that I have that, uh, you know, I don't, I, I'm still looking. Have you been able to find out, um, because, okay, first of all, I just have to say this. I feel kind of like crap. We never did it because we, we grew up together, but, like think about the things we were lying about our age for, right? To get in a dance club or drink alcohol early and they're lying to serve in a war. Okay. So I feel like crap about that. I'm just going to okay. forgive myself for that. But and but then um, also you were talking about the drummer boy. So was that a place that it felt safe? Like it's like they knew from looking at him, he's a young puppy. So is it a safe place to be? And what was the significance of the drummer boy in those efforts? Because this is before the cell phone people. This is before any sort of communication in the battlefield. Right, right. Yes. Yeah, I I think so. From what I've read thus far, um, it seems like that was the role when they would get these young kids, that was the role that they would give these kids because, you know, maybe it was uh, less sort of on the front line, so to speak. Um, but also be, the drummer boy played a very significant role in that, you know, here's a long line of men who are marching and they can't hear commands from the front of the line. And so the drummer boy would have certain things that he would drum or cadences or whatever that, that essentially would serve as 
almost like signals to the men behind about what they should do. And so in that respect, you know, when I, when I try to wrap my head around that and I try to, I think about like, okay, this very pivotal moment in the war where General Sherman takes the city of Savannah and the fact that my ancestor may have been sort of drumming those commands as they marched in is just, it it just, it kind of just blows me away. Continuing just a little bit more before we get into the house, because people aren't even going to believe this, but um, William Henry, it was something he was proud of, wasn't it? Since he survived. So what did that look like for the rest of his life as a survivor and Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was really interesting to dive more into him because what I found was that this was something he was really proud of. This was in his obituary, like the very first thing that was mentioned was that he was a drummer boy on Sherman's March to the Sea and on his headstone, which I had pictures of and then later visited, it is mentioned prominently at the top, you know, the name of his, his company and his infantry, Uh, He was very active also in the um, uh, Grand Army of the Republic, which was sort of like a veterans um, organization that Civil War vets were in. He was very active in his local chapter for that. And I even found a newspaper clipping where he had given a speech like at a, a flag presentation or something. So it was something he was very, very proud of. And I scoured all of the old pictures that we had and some writings that my grandpa had done. My grandpa had kind of started writing a memoir. So we have little bits and pieces of that. And so I, I was scouring that to see if he had any sort of mention of his grandfather, William Henry. And, and, and his only thing that he mentioned was just that he remembered him sort of, you know, sitting on the front porch, smoking a pipe kind of thing. Which sounds I love so, that picture. Yeah. Oh, I know. And then we found these pictures where he had sort of, it, it was him as an old man, William Henry as an old man with all of his sons and all of the, you know, the sons and daughters and, and grandchildren. And so I have a, so I now have a, a visual of him as a, as an old man, but I'd love, I would love that. The one thing I'm on in search of is a, uh, you know, a picture of him as a young man. I want to see if we can pictures of of him. um, I do too. I absolutely do. And like when we got to talk, like right after your trip, it just felt like it was, it was just, he wants his story told. That was our best guess. What does he need from you um, to, you know, put together the puzzle pieces? What, what is he excited about? coming out to the world? Are you supposed to write this story? Like, um, and then how did it end up bringing you to New York? Yes. Yes. Are we talking about that now? Yeah. yeah. If you want to. Oh oh my gosh. So (laughs) yeah. And, uh, so after I had gotten home from Savannah and I'm, you know, down this rabbit hole of all this research and everything, uh, I, and and I was over visiting my parents and, and I was looking through, you know, more of their stuff that they had. And, and, um, and I had told my dad, I'd said, you know, we need to go back there together 
to New York. We need to go back in the spring. Um, because my dad had lived there as a boy and a lot of family had been there. And so, um, I said, you know, let's go back because I feel like I want to do more research about him and, you know, and all of this. And so dad and I were talking about that and he was really excited about that. And I was visiting them. And so I started sort of taking notes and writing stuff down with different addresses of different houses and, and looking through all the pictures and everything. And so I'm at my parents' house and, and just out of curiosity, I Google one of the addresses, um, which is in New York in upstate New York. And this picture pops up and this house is on the market. And it is, and, and at the time I thought, I, I thought that it was the house that was possibly the house that my grandpa had been born in. Um, so ties to my family, you know, had lived there for a long time. And so the picture that pops up, I know that picture, I had seen a picture of that house before. And so I get up out of, out of bed because my dad was still, I'm like, dad, that house is on the market. And I'm kind of like freaking out. I'm looking for the picture because I know I've seen this picture. And, and so I find this old picture, which is from, you know, my grandpa was a little kid and it's his older siblings, like standing on this porch of this house. And the, and I'm looking at this house that's on the market and, and they look the same. And so I'm like that, you know, I, I think that this house is possibly on the market. If, if it's not the house, it's a house next door that looks exactly the same. So it's one of the two. So I start, so I'm, you know, resisting the urge to like message the listing agent at that exact moment. Right. And I <laughs> text Scott, and I'm like, are you ready for this whole thing to get a little bit weirder? Uh, and so I get up the next morning. Cause by this time it's super late and I had stuff I was doing the next morning. Um, but I get up really early and I start doing property records research to see like, is this the house? Is this the right house? Is it not? Because there's some question about the house number. Um, so I'm doing all this research, but you know, online records, property records only go back so far. So I wasn't really finding what I wanted. And, and so anyhow, my, and my sister comes in at one point cause she and I were supposed to go somewhere and I'm still in my pajamas. <laughs> I'm drinking like a pot of coffee. <laughs> And I'm telling her the whole story. I'm like, I'm like, I said, I think that that house is on the market. And I told my mom too, because, you know, everyone was up by this point and, and, you know, both my parents were like, yeah, that's really weird. And, and my mom, you know, they, my mom was like, yeah, this feels very strange. Like there's something about, there's something weird going on. I don't know what it is. And um, that's huge because she doesn't really believe in this kind of thing. Right. But she was all in. She's like, this is just very strange. And, and then Teresa, you know, finally she looks at me, she's like, you're not going to get dressed. Are you like, we're not going where we're supposed to. But anyway, so, so we finally, I finally did get away from the property records online. But then within the next couple of days, I realized the only way I'm going to be able to confirm if this is the house is if I go there and actually go to the county clerk's office and do the re- get into the books and get into all of the old stuff. And so I start sort of thinking about that. I'm like, I need to go. I need to go to New York and it can't be next spring. It needs to be now. Yeah. So I, so I end up, you know, booking this trip and, and Scott, you know, he was great about it too. He's like, yeah, you need to go. Like if the only way you're going to know is to go, just go and and like, let's do this. You know, he was all in on it. He's like, <laughs> that's you know? so great. I know it was great. But then I was, I was a little, 
I, I was weirdly nervous about telling my parents. I don't know why. Like, I'm not a child, right? I, can talk, I know. But, it's still, you have I, that I, dynamic though sometimes. You're like, oh, is this too impulsive? So I finally told my mom, I'm like, I have something to tell you. And she's like, you're going to New York, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to New York. I have to go. I have, I can't live with myself if I don't know. And if the answer is that this is not the house he was born in, it's just the house next door that looks just like it or the property record, you know, don't tie him, then, then at least I'll know, but I can't have this opportunity pass without knowing. Exactly. Okay. And that's a perfect segue. I'm because we're at the midpoint and I have to do before you tell us what happened on your trip to New York and about the ancestral graves and like what your instincts told you to do and all that stuff. I want to tease that something crazy even happened today that just like it was like the universe showed off for us before we even recorded of yeah, of course I did this. I've done so much. So that little teaser, we're going to have a quick break for some awesome promos. And But when we're back, I'll tell you about my little thing and then Deb will tell you about her trip. Hey everybody, Karen Rontowski here. I hate to interrupt the Curious Cat podcast, one of my favorites, but if you want to double your paranormal fun when you're done here, come check out my show, Paranormal Karen. I interview exorcists, demonologists, healers, psychics, really anyone that can make a family gathering uncomfortable is on my show. If you want to see everything I do, go to KarenRontowski.com. And I know you're thinking that sounds hard to spell. Well, it is. I have misspelled it on hundreds of tax forms. So if that doesn't work for you, go to PsychicStandUp.com or ParanormalKaren.com. There you can find my Patreon. You can book a tarot reading. You can take a tarot class. You can find everything, including my stand-up comedy clips. That's right. I've been doing stand-up for 30 years. If you go to those places, you can also see my psychic stand-up show where I mix psychic and tarot readings. Yes, the future never looked so funny. So check me out at KarenRontowski.com, ParanormalKaren.com, or PsychicStandup.com. And can someone please find me a marketing person to put all this in one place? Now back to the show. Okay, we are back. So I teased a little bit, but before, um, it was like an hour and a half before Deb was coming on and I was listening to a podcast. I just grabbed it randomly. It's a podcast I love called The Higher Side Chat, but it was a very old episode and he was talking about, you know, synchronicities. I forget what he called it. It was something like mystical synchronicities. It was kind of something that sounded much more magical. And it is magical. So I've been noticing different things. Um, and I'm hyper aware of that. So it was kind of funny that I grabbed that episode. And then he starts telling this story about how he received this letter in the mail. And it was um, a friend said, I figured out where your, who your grandfather is, your ancestral great-grandfather or grandfather. I can't remember again, like Deb. And he started going, how did this guy find this out? Because he had asked his father, the guest's name was Michael Wan, and he had asked his father about his grandfather, his father's father. And all he got from him was he was bitter. He was uh, an angry man and he was adopted. He was an orphan. And so he didn't even know how that occurred. And if 
that was kind of interesting. He goes, I don't know. And then I think something tragic happened to his dad. So then he starts going down a little rabbit hole and he finds out that he, this relation, it, it led back to someone that had been a drummer boy in the American revolution. And it, was like, you can't make that stuff up. And then to find out that there was this, tra- he also found out that there was this tragedy where the drummer boy and his family, his father had passed away in a very tragic way. So he had actually, he had to be adopted by his sister, his much older sister, um, and her husband, I think is what it was. So that was like the echoes of it were so similar to what's happening with Deb's family. And then the third thing was that blew my mind was you've had this magic that's kind of been happening in modern times, you know, just learning more about your own father and understanding more where he came from as a, as a boy and growing up as a man and as your dad. And he had this experience where um, in the podcast with Michael Wan, he said, my dad is always, your dad, Deb, never did this because you are a lawyer. You you love history. You guys would vibe it out and have these rich conversations that I always loved listening to um, just growing up. But in his situation, his father would always look down on him because he was a super successful businessman. And Michael said, that's not really the life for me. But they had a moment when he was putting together these ancestral puzzle pieces where his dad was like, he looked at his dad and he could literally see all of this like old story of this bitter man, this orphan, like all of this stuff just shed off of his dad and his dad was just lighter and he stood up taller and he looked at his son, Michael differently too. So that was bananas. That was before, right before we were recording. So even when I was having like internet problems on my end in Denver, I'm like, it's going to work out because the universe is having way too much fun with this story. So with that said, Deb, you are in New York you're on your own. It's not the trip you're going to do in the future with your father, but you're going to check out this house that's on the market and you wanted to buy something before you went too. So please pick it up. Yes. I got to hear about it. Yeah. I felt compelled. I, I knew I was only going to be there for a few short days and I had a very, uh, you know, I had a certain agenda of things I wanted to do. And one of those was to go visit the cemetery where William Henry is buried and a bunch of other relatives are buried. And I felt compelled to, um, to buy a marker for his, uh, for his headstone, which I had seen sort of online and in some other things. Uh, It was very common to have this marker that, that has the GAR emblem, uh, Grand Army of the Republic. Uh, a lot of several Civil War vets have that, and I, and so I've just felt compelled to to bring one for him. Um, which so I, I purchased one, and then I thought, well, as long as I'm going, you know, I, if I'm going to this cemetery with a lot of other family members, I I would like to bring something for them too. So I brought a bunch of you know uh, flowers along. So I, I had all this stuff sort of in my um, in my bag um, with me. And then also was going to meet with a real estate agent to look at that house. And then also was going to go and do the, the property um, sort of property research at the clerk's office. Yeah. So that was sort of my, 
agenda for the, and I also was going to go up to this other town to go to the historical society there. So I had this just very tight sort of, you know, list of things that I was going to do. And so I get there and I, you know, I, it it was kind of a journey to get there. There's no direct flights. There's like, you know, connecting flights and then an hour and a half drive and all this, but I finally get there and, and I'm up early and I, and I drive to town and, and I got super emotional just on the drive there, you know, to be in this area of the country that has so much of my family history and that I've always heard about and that dad remembers, but even he hadn't been there since he was 10. So I got really emotional when, especially when I knew when I, I was getting close. Um, and I talked to my dad on the phone. I talked to him so much over the course of those next couple of days, which is amazing for my dad because he, he does not like to talk on the phone at all. And so when you get him talking, you, you know, it's, it's great. And so anyway, I would be in the car and I just would get him on Bluetooth talking to him and talking him through everything. It was, it was great. Yeah. Um, so I get to the town and, and I have some time to kill before my appointment to look at the house. And so I just thought, well, I'll just kind of drive around and see what I can see. And so I start driving and I'm just on this little road and I see a sign for a cemetery. And I think, well, that would be really weird if this was the cemetery, because there's a couple cemeteries in that area. And I knew which one I needed, but I didn't have directions to it yet. And and I come around the corner and sure enough, that's the cemetery that, that you know, that I, where I know everyone is. So I said, okay, well, I guess, I guess I'm going to do this now. I'm going to drive into this, this cemetery now. And so I drive in and literally when you drive into this cemetery, William Henry's is the very first headstone that I see. And it's just right there looking at me right as I drove in. And, and I just, I, you know, I was taking, I was taking kind of like voice memos while I was there just to sort of record what I was thinking about. And I, I listened to them just to get ready for today. And yeah, I just, it was very emotional. It's like, all right, here I am. Here I am. Like you, you know, I I feel like I need to be here. I'm called to be here. I don't know why yet, but here I am. And here he is. And uh, it was actually really beautiful because it was not long after Veterans Day and the town um, which I, I think is pretty common for these small little towns. Like they have little, uh, you know, organizations or things that come and, and decorate for Veterans Day, all the veterans that are in the cemetery. And so his grave already had some flags on it. And it actually had a little veterans marker that someone had put at some point over the years. And so I, so that was really nice to see. And and I put my GAR marker and I put some flags and yeah, it, it was it was great. And so then I thought, well, all right, I'm going to go and park and sort of walk and look for these other folks that I know are there, other family members. And I mean, I'll be darned. Like I, I didn't know really where I was going. And it's not a huge cemetery, but it's not a small cemetery either. And so I just sort of got out and started walking. And, and I think I even said out loud, I said, you know, I said, I don't even know which direction I'm going. I don't know where, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where I'm going. And I look down and there is, you know, my aunt and uncle, my grandpa's sister and her husband, just like right there. I'm like, okay, you know, that was easy. And, and, and then I turn another corner and there's, you know, this other plot with, with, uh, you know, a bunch of other family members. So it's just like, I was sort of being guided to these, these, uh, these sites and, and felt like they were sort of, they knew I was there. They were welcoming me there. I mean, it was, it was, a, it, it, I hadn't planned to go to the cemetery first, but it actually was perfect that that's 
what happened, right? Yeah. yeah. And also that you had stuff for them. So they had to be bubbling over with excitement mm-hmm. because it's like, you've got stuff for us. Do this first. Because if you were coming into town from far away and they were still in life, right? You would stop by. It wouldn't matter if you needed to put gas in your rental car or, you know, whatever. You would stop by your family's house first. So it's like, that is the perfect place for your journey there to have begun. Yes. And then did you go from there to the house? I did. I did. So then it was time for me to meet with the real estate agent and I met with her and I toured the house. And I, what I found was that this particular row of houses all were built at the same time. They all look exactly the same. And so in, and then in some of the census records, the house number is one thing and others, it's the other thing. So it, it still was not entirely clear. And after my research at the County clerk's office too, it, it, it still wasn't exactly clear which house was the house he was born in and which, you know, versus the one that was on the market, but more evidence pointed to it being the house next door and not the house that was on the market, which, you know, which was okay. It was good to sort of figure that out. And I will say too, that, um, you know, when I toured it, I kind of thought I would know when I toured it, you know, like every house purchase I've made or, um, there's been like a gut instinct right away where I'm like, yes, this is, I have to have this house. Right. Scott and I have talked about that. We're like, yeah, it's, it's a big purchase, but you know, there's always that emotional sort of connection. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't feel it with the house that I toured. So, and so I think that it was the house next door that my grandpa was, was ultimately born in, but the, and I, and you know, the real estate agent, she was, she was really great. And I, I wasn't sure initially how much of it all I was going to tell her, but she was like, so what's your story? You know, cause here I'm this crazy lady coming across the country to look at this house. And so I ended up just like telling her the whole thing and I'm showing her these pictures of like the house. And anyway, it was, and she was lovely. She was really great. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's, it's the house that was on the market was not the house my grandpa was born in. I see. Okay. So you went to the house. It was, that wasn't the house, but it was, it's something to be able to kind of see and picture where your great grandfather had been and where your grandfather had been and all that. Mm -hmm. You did the cemetery and then that was it. Like, or did you go to some of those small historical societies? Is that what they were? Yes. I went to a bunch of addresses in the town, which was also really interesting because I had all of these different addresses of where people had lived over time. And so I did all of those, went to all of those, drove the route. So my, my great grandfather, so my grandpa's dad had died on, he he was walking to work, um, at, uh, you know, and, and got hit by like a bakery truck. And I drove that route. Like I was, I, I drove it and could see that like, this was not a very far walk and he's just, you know, walking to work and gets hit by this bakery truck. You know, it was just, and, and I was even recording like as I was doing, as I was doing that and, and just sort of thinking about just that history and, and what that meant for my family too, because, you know, my grandpa was like 13 at the time when his dad died and it was right at the beginning of the great depression, which then, you know, threw his family into turmoil, his older sister had to sort of take him and his mom in and, and all of these things that I had always known as family history, but had never really thought much about. And so it, 
you know, it spurred a, some good conversations with my dad where I was like, gosh, you know, I just, did grandpa ever talk about that? Like how hard that was for him as a kid? And, and my dad was like, no, you know, he never really talked about that. Just sort of that, you know, they, they, they did the best they could and they, you know, they did okay. And, and so it just, it raised all of these sort of questions that I think, you know, you don't think to ask people when they're around. I certainly had never thought to ask my grandpa that. I don't know that my dad had ever thought to really ask my grandpa that. And my grandpa was of that generation, you know, you don't really talk about stuff. You just sort of were like, well, it was hard, but we managed kind of thing. Yeah. Was there, it just feels like with these young men on your father's side, it seems like 13, 14, 15, they were pivotal years in a way of like the, you know, life just handing them a whole lot of uh, adulthood on a platter very quickly. And yeah, I just wonder, you know, because I love your dad. I, and he, I love your, both of your parents. I love your grandma. And I, you know, to this day, um, your family was like my family growing up, but I wonder, was there anything that he's ever mentioned your dad that happened to him at that, like at that sweet spot for, or maybe he like broke that curse in a a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. That would be interesting to ask him. I don't know. I'll have to ask him that. But it, you know, the one thing, the one kind of takeaway that I've been thinking about um, since all of this has happened is just that, you know, that question of sort of it, you know, it it sucks that we don't uh, think about those things we want to know about our our relatives until they're no longer with us. You know, like I find myself wishing, like I mean, I knew my grandpa until I was in my twenties, and. And he was wonderful. He was a great guy. But it's like, gosh, I wish I would have sat down with him and asked him. I wish I'd had the, you know, if I had the opportunity now to sit him down and ask him, like, what was that like? And can you tell me more about William Henry or about your dad or about this town or about your move across the country? You know, all of those things that you know as family history, but you don't think to to ask necessarily. When you have and record somehow because you know your work with this has actually I I spoke to my mom and I was like mom we are going to take a trip to Chicago I want to see your places I want to hear your stories and um and she I think that she at first it was kind of like because there's some PTSD with letting go of, you know, her lifelong spouse. And it was kind of, so there's like a little lack of confidence. And then all of a sudden I said, you're worth it. You're going to be the star of this show. And she goes, I, I kind of want to tell my stories. She goes, we got to do the suburbs and we got to go in the city and we got to go to both the ballparks and, and, you know, me and my dad. And I started getting stories already from her. And it's the same thing. It's like, it's, it's one thing when, I don't know what it is, but when we're in school and we're being told to learn something, it's so flat, two-dimensional, out of a book, whatever. And I think our kids got to do more of the, do you know anybody? And can you interview somebody? They got to have a little bit more of a three-dimensional feeling with it. But actually, it was so cool because you know, walking in that history and being able to picture it and go, God, I want to gather those stories. 
um, I think that you are already casting ripples that are causing me, and I'm sure as soon as people are listening to this, to reach out to people that are in their life and go, I want to capture those stories. I actually want to walk those footsteps with you if you're able to and, and collect that information so that I can really pass that on like a steward almost of those family stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's made, it's made for some really great conversations with my dad. And in fact, I just was talking to him yesterday. I was telling him how, you know, I've been looking into more of this drummer boy research and civil war stuff and how I'm like, you know, reading a bunch of things and rewatching the Ken Burns documentary and all this. And he even said to me, he said, you know, he said, I was never really interested in the civil war. And and now I just feel like I want to know more about it. So, so it's kind of, you know, it's a, 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 it's interesting that, you know, I, I just think that's a really wonderful thing I do too. to kind of be having those conversations with him. And, and also to know, you know, what, what I learned later when I was in St. Johnsville is I, I did sort of come to a, 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 a realization about sort of what my next steps needed to be with William Henry. I sort of, I, I figured out sort of that, that one of the things that, that, might be what he needs or what I need to do is to tell his story because in his hometown where he had enlisted, um, he, he, you know, there've been some, some records and some books and things that were, that were put together in that town and some lists of soldiers who served from that town. And he is conspicuously missing from those lists. Wow. So, and is that because he enlisted somewhere else and then he never moved back there? And of course, you know, this is the 18, late 1800s. So record keeping is not, you know, the greatest. And so it, you know, is that part of it that he uh, didn't, you know, he's not recognized in the county that he's from for what he did. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, and you and I talked about a little bit about this. It's like, you know, I mean, he was, he was very active and did things later on, but there's something about like your hometown, you would want to be recognized there. So, uh, you know, when I went to the historical society in his town and did the research there, I spent an afternoon going through all the, all the stuff that they had there, which was, which was really interesting and, and, and fun to do for me to kind of sit amongst all these books and things. But, um, but I had that aha moment where I'm like, he's not listed in this County list of like, that's, that's my job. That's my task forward is, and I don't know what's, what form that takes at this point, but to, you know, advocate for him, get him on whatever lists and roles and, you know, whatever needs to happen. Um, to advocate for him. I mean, I, I can do that. That feels like my job. Right. And I was trained as a lawyer. I can advocate for somebody. So it's like, exactly. That's my my task. That's my job. And, you know, I had done a a tarot card reading the night before and uh, which was very strangely accurate with, you know, I feel like, yes, she said, you know, it, it feels as if you are, you know, there's something you are, um, you know, that you're, you're searching for and you don't quite know the answer yet, or you don't know quite what the reason is, but I do feel like it's going to be made known to you very soon. Um, and, and sure enough, it was pretty much, you know, it was the next day that I'm like, this is, this is what needs to, 
to happen. This is what this is what my task is: is to tell his story, to tell my family's story, and and so that's sort of uh, that's where I'm headed. And, wow. and I, you know, told my dad that on the way home. I was when I was driving home, uh, back to the hotel from the the um, you know historical society. I, I called my parents. I'm like, here's the answer. This this is it. This is what you know. And and maybe the house was a way to get me to come back it there. Totally was because if I hadn't gone back there, you know, then I wouldn't have gone to this historical society, and I wouldn't have done the, I wouldn't be there. And I feel like there was something that was calling me there. You had to because actually it makes so much sense because you don't know what's missing when you're doing research online. You don't see the blank pages. So you didn't see that he wasn't represented in his own hometown. And you're the perfect person to be the genealogist and, and to be like you were saying, the advocate for him to add that. And I just, when you were saying that, I just had goosebumps because I can picture the book that you will be writing with this story in their local library. And I I can just see it so vividly because it's like the missing pieces. And I can see people picking it up, not necessarily just boys, but just people in general that are maybe 13, 14 and going, you know, it's like that, um, that Bo Burnham song where he said, I'm turning 30. And, um, you know, my, my grandpa, when he was 30 was serving in Vietnam and I'm building a birdhouse with my mom. Well, it's like, it puts it in perspective is like, you had generations of people that were out there putting their lives on the line for something they believed in. And sometimes it wasn't even voluntarily, you know, they, they weren't being volunteered. It was like they were indentured servants and shoved out to serve in a war on a side they didn't want to, but it's like they were babies doing this. And so it Mm -hmm. just puts it in perspective and it brings that history viscerally to the present where we say, wow, the blood was shed in our country. And what are, you know, it just kind of helps you to go, we are walking in the footsteps of giants. And it just kind of helps us to just become aware of that legacy and maybe be better stewards of it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And and I, you know, when I was listening back to sort of the thoughts that I was having when I was there, you know, one one thing that I said, which I which I really think is the through line for all of this is that, you know, it's so interesting to me that sometimes you have to go back in order to go forward. Like you you have to really look back at your family history and your ancestors and those that came before you and understand sort of the path that all of that took to get to you, you know, in order to know sort of what your path is, your next step is forward. And, 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 you know, and then that podcast that, um, you know, when you forwarded me this morning, when you're like, you got to listen to this. And, and he kind of said that exact same thing. It's like, yeah, that's so true that we have to kind of examine uh, and understand our ancestors sometimes in order to know sort of what our next step is in our own personal journey. Exactly. And and what listeners 
don't even know is that you were, you were, you were, you had had a great career as a lawyer, but it's like, I'm looking for what is next for me because, you know, I want to do a little bit different. And you do, you will, when you travel, you take photographs of courthouses, you talk to people and kind of start recording some of these stories that, so that they don't get lost to time. And, So you kind of were having inclinations of where this was going for you, but what's crazy is just what you said, looking back and like honoring and just taking time to go, okay, I'm listening to the universe. I guess I'm going to follow these footsteps. And then they're like, here it is. It's all laid out for you. And it was 18 years in the making. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I I think that's totally true. And and he mentioned in the podcast earlier too, that, you know, you, you, you have to be open to getting these sort of signs and we all sort of are getting them all the time, but you're busy with, you know, getting kids out the door to school or going to work or whatever. And so it's only when you're able to sort of really pay attention to these things that, that it really opens itself up to you. And it's just, it's fascinating. And I, 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 you know, I haven't even had a chance to tell you, but like at Thanksgiving, um, it, the week that, uh, you know, before Thanksgiving, my kids were home, all was right in the world. It was great. And just one day stepping out of my house to go for a run, the, the book title and everything popped into my head just in a flash like that. And so it just, I'm just excited to see what's next. I don't, you know, but yeah. And I, I swear, it's just like the podcast, and I will have the links to that other podcast in the show notes because people need to listen to it because you're right. I think that it was like the universe said, well, you have followed the footsteps, so it's just like you were in that vibration, and boom, it's all just there waiting for you. And also, I feel like the, I feel like this relates. And so this week's, uh, which is last week's um, episode is all going to be about Red Rocks Amphitheater, but it's going into, I had a ghosty thing happen. My app was going bananas with these words. And I'm like, okay, some of them felt very ancient. Some of them felt super modern. It was like beautiful baby. You know, you could just imagine kind of like a swinger, kind of like a accent coming in my head when these words were coming up. But what was crazy is I think sometimes there are layers upon layers of stories that are taking place in one metaphor, like one actual physical place or one genealogical place. And it's like, we're not doomed to repeat them, but those stories don't want to be forgotten. So they keep repeating in the next generation and the next generation in these different ways. And so I'm learning about Red Rocks that it was always a place where it's the ancestral Rocky Mountains. It's between the new Rocky Mountains that we all know and the plains, the old ways. So it, it was an in-between space. It was a place where people like tens of thousands of years ago converged to commune with their ancestors and have guidance about things. But it, and it had this amazing energy because of the sandstone. And so we felt that when we were at that concert. And remember I had those, I didn't even think about it till I was like drafting the episode. And I went, oh my God, we were at the Sting concert and I had a little piece of each of my fathers that have passed away in yeah. the last two years. And I was so emotional. I was just like weeping for, there were two songs straight. I was just weeping and I was so glad other people were 
focused on the stage because it didn't matter. I was just so connected with them. And so I think what you're doing too is like bridging those much older histories even that even we don't have any sort of record to that go back to your forefathers, forefathers to the present day where you're getting this download of like, of course, this book is going to be written and um, you're leaving this legacy because then it's like another ladder rung that your kids get to just grow off involved in their own way. Wouldn't it be so interesting to see where, who picks up the, the gauntlet next and where they go with it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, my, you know, my son, he did say to me recently, he's like, yeah, you know, I, I hadn't really thought about family history or anything, but you know, you're showing me like how important it is. And that's, and I'm like, that's great. I hope that it's planting a little seed for them. Cause of course I can't help but talk about this. I've been in this journey, you know, since October now. So I, you know, I, I talk about it a lot with everyone who will listen. And of course, you know, I share it all with you. I'm like, I have to tell Jen. Um, I but love it. sometimes I even start like going on about it to people that maybe don't want to hear about it. And they kind of just, but I, I don't care. It's like, I, this is what I'm going to talk about. So of course my kids have heard a lot about this journey and about yeah. everything. And, and so it makes me happy that they are, they might not want to sit and dive into, you know, genealogical research with me right now, but I like that they're listening and that, you know, they're interested yeah, I think so too. And it's so funny because I was just, I was talking to my mom about this is like, um, when she was asking about the Chicago trip and it, it was, it's just funny because we both were talking about, um, how there's this moment when you're a kid and you think of your parents as their whole life was being your parent. That's it. And so they aren't really people. They're your parents kind of thing. And then you go, wait a second, you've got stories too. Or like, wait a second, you guys were dating before you were married? Like, yeah, that's usually how it works. I mean, you, and then they start seeing you as fuller people. So I think it's really amazing too. They come home from Thanksgiving and they're both doing really cool, interesting stuff. And then it's like, whoa, both of my parents are doing some cool stuff too. Whoa, this is dope. So just for the shock value alone of like being relevant as old people, I'm all for that. You know what I forgot to say though? About the, the end of the New York trip, um, that was so beautiful is that the morning that I left, the morning I was going to fly out, two things happened. One, I do the wordle every morning, you know, religiously yeah. part of my yes. routine. And the wordle that morning, the word was trust, which was interesting. And I got it in two guesses, which must mean that I am trusting, right? So that was yes. cool. And then I get to the airport and find that I've been upgraded to first class for my flight home. Yes. which never happens to me. Like I, I just never, I never get up. So that felt like the final sort of little wow. from the universe, from my ancestors, whatever. Wow. It, was a, it was a beautiful way to end all of it. So I, yeah, I'm still kind of on a high about all of it and processing all of it and just dig in and see where it goes. I can't wait to be along for the ride. What I thought was amazing is that you were like, well, there weren't really hotels there. So I had to stay in this place called Utica, New York. And I'm like, oh, my podcast friend, Karen Rondowski, she's she's stuck in uh, 
purgatory called Utica right now because she's, you know, helping her sister with her mom and everything. That's public knowledge. She's putting that on her podcast, but I'm like, Utica. So I was like, Karen, I had a friend there. She was like, I hope she got out. <laughs> so she said something so funny. It was like, I hope she was able to escape it because I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. It was cold. It was very cold. Oh my God. Yeah. When I asked the real estate agent about their winters, I'm like, so do you guys get bad winters here? She just laughed at me. She's like, uh, yeah. Like, what a stupid question from the lady from Seattle. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love that so much. Okay. Well, before we wrap, um, I teased it, but you really do. You have a couple of delicious delicious, delicious blogs. One talks about your like music and like it really, I don't want to spoil it, but you'll go to a venue and you'll express things about different songs or different emotions. It's so cool. And then the other one is like going through to courthouses and things. So before we wrap, where can people find you if they need more of you and also to be kind of in the queue for when this thing hits the bestseller list? My my blog is at corduroynotes.com and on Instagram at corduroynotes. And there's actually more content on Instagram than on the, the web these days. Uh, and my other Instagram is old courthouses um, because I've always had a love of old buildings and old courthouses. And so I, I collect them and take pictures wherever I can, whenever I go. So, um, so those are both on Instagram and other stuff, I guess, coming soon. Yes. That sounds great. And also she's super humble. First of all, I'll put everything, all the links in the show notes. So don't worry about it. And then second of all, um, Deb, you're super humble because the other thing that's very special about you is you pull out stories from people and they're so excited because you are matching their enthusiasm and their respect for a place. And you get these stories and you're gathering them like a little raven. They're like little treasures. Yes, I love. Yes, that's my goal. I, I I love it. That's that's my goal. Um. So, yes, on the old building front and the music front and the history front, like three things that I love. And so you're going to get to do them all. Yep, that's my next chapter. Oh, it's gonna be great. Oh, I'm so glad you came on. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. You'll it be, was great. You'll be back when things come up. I'm. I hope I'm on the top of the list. I'm like, please, please make time for Definitely. me. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Yes. Thanks again. I love you All so right, much. Love you too. Thanks for listening to Curious Cat. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't yet and recommend us to a friend. Did you hear the good news? We're in the top 20 of Supernatural Podcasts. Yay. Yay, yes. And that's all thanks to you guys. Until next time, stay curious. I love you.